Our portion today is from, again, the latter part of uh, Romans chapter 12. So it's a continuation um, of the letter uh, of Paul to the Church of God in Rome. And as David spoke to us last week about the, the, the beginning of the first uh, eight verses of this chapter, if you remember, the chapter began with verse that said, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's a tremendous verse to start the chapter. And uh, we come to the second part. We're going to be reading from verse 9 through to the end. And this is moving on, if you like, in Paul's explanation and his urging uh, as to how we should conduct ourselves in a church of God, how we should conduct ourselves as Christians. And initially, it's towards one another. And then it goes on to talk about how we should treat those who are not among us, who are not in churches of God, who are not Christians, who in fact are enemies of God. How do we conduct ourselves? So I'm going to read the section and then I want to also read in Matthew because I think it's important in this rather than just to go through it and look at the urgings of Paul, which are, of course, very important, but to try and make it focused on Christ. Because we need to be motivated when we read these things. I say that because we are sinful people. And it's so easy sometimes to read these things and they're dry. And they don't apply, or we struggle to apply them to ourselves and we run over them and we think yeah I know these are things that we should do and they don't take on a level of importance that's why I read that first verse again it starts off by saying present yourselves as a living and a holy sacrifice it's an act of worship that's an ongoing thing that as we who have been called of God we who God has picked up as sinners as people who are born in sin who are destined to a lost eternity so we're born lost and God has picked us up he's chosen us he's called us and through faith and our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that he had done at Calvary 2,000 years ago and we believe in him, we present ourselves. We have a duty. We have a responsibility that we who have been chosen, we who have been called, we who are saved, we who love the Lord Jesus have a duty so that when we read things that are headed like dedicated service we apply it to ourselves 
It's not somebody else. It's not for overseers or deacons or for Christians in other churches. It's for us. And the fact that Paul has written this to the church of God obviously focused the people who have been called into God's kingdom and have a responsibility to serve in his kingdom and have a responsibility to do and live their lives the way God desires it, the way God wants. So let's read the portion together first of all. So it's chapter 12 of Romans, reading from verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. And sorry, I'm reading this from the NASB, different maybe from your, your Bible, but see if you can link in maybe the different words that are used. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honour. Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Then it goes on to those who are not in churches of God. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The portion I just want to read in, is uh, about the Lord Jesus is in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. It's about the baptism of the Lord. It's a story I think you know, that's well known to you, but I want to link it into this. So Matthew 3 and 13, and Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time. For in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. And after he had been baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. And behold, a voice came out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I just wanted to just uh, refer to that because 
that's what came to my mind when I was reading Romans 12. Sometimes you wonder why you get these thoughts. But when I first read Romans 12, I thought this is so dry. This is a lot of things that we, I can be standing up here and saying, you know, I don't do a lot of these things either. And I am struggling with um, being able to preach <laughs> and to teach that this is how you should live your life. When in fact, it's like the old pointed one. There's uh, three fingers pointing back at me. Paul, quite rightly, is directing us to our responsibility in serving the Lord. Our responsibilities, first of all, in the churches of God, as saints, as people in the kingdom of God, under the rule of God, and to be looking at what he is uh, channeling our thoughts as to how we should conduct ourselves. And it all comes down to his Christ-likeness. We should be like Christ. So when you go back, and my thoughts went back to his baptism, and the time when he went into the water, and John is standing there and he's saying, I'm not baptizing you. John knew he was a sinner, and he was taking people who were born in sin like you and me, and he was taking them and he was baptizing them. It was a baptism of repentance. It was a baptism of preparation because he knew that the Lord Jesus was coming and he was going to Calvary and he was going there to bear the sin of the world. He was going to take our sins. We were going to get a new life through Christ and he was preparing that way. And when Jesus came, he thought, what's the point of baptizing Jesus? He's got no sin. He's perfect. He's the son of God. I'm preparing people for him. And so John, I would say quite rightly, challenges this and says, I don't want to baptize you. But the Lord says, yeah, it is necessary this time. Why was it necessary? Well, the obvious one is it's Jesus associating with men. He was associating with mankind. He was one of us. He had been born of woman, born in a natural way. Of course, the big difference that I've just mentioned, he was without sin. But he wanted this to be done. He wanted to open up a way. He wanted to identify with us. And he also wanted to set the pattern that we, when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we accept him as our saviour, we are baptised in the Holy Spirit because we have a new life. We come from there to there. We come from death to life. And that baptism, that spiritual baptism that takes place is followed by a water baptism which is physical, which is what the Lord Jesus showed in his actions, that he was identifying with people and he was identifying with their need to prepare for him. But he's one of them. He had come for mankind. He was representing mankind. It was necessary to prepare for this, prepare for him. But what happened afterwards identified him implicitly 
in the Godhead. Because it says that as he came up out of the water, the heavens opened. And that is a marvellous thing. You know, you read a lot about that in scripture. Um, about God in heaven identifying with earth. He made the earth. So of course he identifies with it. And he made us. He identifies with us. The heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down. And because the Holy Spirit is a spirit, and you think, well, how can you see a spirit? He came in the form of a dove and landed on the person of Christ. As he came up out of the water, the dove. Why a dove? Well, you can go back to Noah's Ark and think about the dove there. The dove came back with life in its beak. Uh, evidence of life. It was also a bird of peace. That despite the, the ravages of sin and what sin has done, God is giving us peace. So there's the Holy Spirit coming down and entering into the person of Christ, the Son of Man. And then the voice of the Father. This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. The identifier of the three persons of the Godhead, the Son who had become man, being baptised. The Holy Spirit comes in the form of a dove so he can be identified as indwelling this man, Christ Jesus. And then the voice of the Father, this I am well pleased with. This is of me. This is important. And then to associate it with Romans 12, we get that when Jesus came out of the water, when he had been in, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and he'd been commissioned from the voice of his Father in heaven, where did he go? He went out to meet his enemy, Satan. That's exactly, you know, what happens to us. That when we accept Christ as our Saviour, when we commit to that calling, we've been called of God and that we have been saved. We have eternal, eternal life so that if we die or if the Lord Jesus comes tomorrow, we will live forever because our bodies might die, but our spirit goes on. Why? Because of Christ and he lives. We live in him. And because of that life, God is saying, I want you to serve me. I want you to be prepared for my coming. I want you to look forward. And this is what we've just read in chapter 12. Is that our lives in service should be focused on Christ. And focused in obedience to God. So when we serve, we serve in love. And that these in the first um, few verses between 9 and 13 you're getting the types of love that's expected of us that Paul's identifying with and he's saying that 
it should be an affectionate love. He's saying it should be a respectful love. And he's saying it should be a liberal love. So you think, we've got to apply that. We've got to look at these verses and, and read them when it says, without hypocrisy, that we should abhor evil and love good. How do we do that? It's easy to read these things. And I found myself and I skimmed over them. It's easy to read them. I've read them before. I know them. I can sometimes quote them. But do I live them? And that's the challenge here, really, is are we following Christ? Are we like him? And can we say that the love that we have for the Lord's things, because of what we have been saved from, is real every day? That when we wake up in the morning, are we longing for the coming of the Lord Jesus? Are we longing to read our Bibles? Are we longing to commune with the Lord? And I'm sure each one of us can't say we do that all the time. We have little spurts, maybe. And so it's a challenge. And I thought that when the Lord Jesus came out of the water, he was sinless. So the water didn't cleanse him from sin. Water doesn't do that. It's only the blood of Christ that does that. But when the Lord Jesus came out, he came out of the water to tell everybody that he has the Holy Spirit within him, so he has the power of God. So do we. And he, the voice from heaven that people heard, and that most importantly the Lord heard, this was his motivation he had come to do the will of his father and so that's what he was going to do can I say that I have come a born again Christian with a view to do the will of God my father in heaven what is the will of God my father in heaven well it's to be obedient to him. We might all have different services. We might all have different levels of love. We certainly all have different gifts. And we have different responsibilities. But God has called us for a purpose. And he desires us to love him. And as the first commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might, how do you do that? Well, you just study him. And you love him because you see what you've been saved from. He sent his son to die for you. Therefore, that's all should be all the motivation you need to serve him. But how do we know what God wants us to do? We present ourselves as living sacrifices. We present ourselves. And then what's the second commandment? is to love your neighbour as yourself. Your neighbour is the person you're sitting next to. The, your neighbour is the person that's in your church, the Church of God in Manchester. Your neighbour is the person you live next to, your neighbour at your home, people you work with, 
people you study with. Your neighbour is everybody out there. Your neighbour is even your enemy. The people that say nasty things to you, that don't like you, that are out to upset you. And it's Satan trying to divert you from service for him. And Paul's addressing this. So that as you have an affectionate love, love each other like a brother. Love each other with agape love. A love, a deep love. And how do you know what that looks like? Look at Christ. He gave up his position of power and authority in heaven to come down and die for us so that we might serve him, so that we might have eternal life. Have you ever thought about what if you didn't have eternal life? If you're sitting here thinking, I'm going to hell. If you're sitting here thinking, I don't know where I'm going. But those of us who have the assurance of our salvation, those of us who've been to the cross and accepted Christ as our saviour, how does it make you feel? How should it make us feel? We should love. We should love with affectionate love for one another. Certainly it's easy, surely, to love one another. Because we're all saved. We're all going to heaven. We all love the Lord, don't we? Different levels, maybe. But that's easy. But what about those that don't love the Lord? Those that mock us. Those that criticise us. Those that tell you you're stupid. Why do you believe such rubbish? Do you love them? Is it what Paul was saying? Yes, you should love them. And not just love them in your heart. You need to show it. How did love, The first thing the Lord did was to go out and meet Satan. Head on. 40 days of without food or water. 40 days. It was a miracle. He was weak from hunger. And he went in the power of the Spirit. In the obedience to the Father. Led by the Spirit. The command of his Father. You and I are never going to be asked to do that. Not that way. We couldn't do that. But that's him showing by his actions. And his example. That we in other ways should follow him. And in obedience to the will of God, in thankfulness, we should respond and have respect for one another, love for one another, so that we can share with one another. We often pray about our brethren and sisters in other countries. Some of us who've been out there and we've seen the way they live, you know, it can melt your heart. But when we come back here and we have the comfort of our own homes and the comfort of our middle-class mainly type of lives that we live it's sometimes very hard to really associate really have affectionate love and really understand and be with them and stand with them and to weep with them as well as to rejoice with them and that's what Paul was identifying here this is what we need to do so I didn't want to go through all verse by verse you can do that and you can apply it to your lives like I have and you can pick out the thing yeah I do that but uh, I don't do that and in our love 
it's sometimes easy to say I have love, it's in my heart, but my face always looks gnarled up and grimaced. And I don't reflect Christ. Maybe these are challenges for us just to take away. And that's why I wanted just to sort of take that beginning of the service of Christ and what he did and what he was commissioned to do and what he was empowered to do. We have the same. The Holy Spirit is within us. The voice of God has called us. He's called us. He's pleased that we have accepted his son as our saviour. And now he's calling us to service. And how we <coughs> conduct ourselves in the church of God here in Manchester. In how we conduct ourselves in our relation to those who come in amongst us who are not numbered with us. How we conduct ourselves with other Christians who love the Lord but serve him differently. How should we respond? We respond in love. Because that's what Christ did. We have no right to judge. Judgment comes from God. We have responsibilities of ruling in a church of God. And that is important. But that's different. We never stop loving. And we never stop showing the excellencies of Christ. That's our responsibility. And keep looking up. So that God helps us in our service and in our walk with him. Shall we pray?